Hey, wait, it's a stud finder. You ready? Oh, Eric. <laughs> it's supposed to, like, say here's a stud, but so it actually just gave an error. You did on yourself. <laughs> yeah, it gave an error. <laughs> gave an error. Yeah. You were so proud of your dumb... I was... Yeah, and then it gave an error. <laughs> well, all I have to say is it seems to be working. It's the last just... time I use a stud finder on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from the straight red flex. <laughs> it is straight red. I'm your host, Jeff Ross. And with me, as always, the only man whose stunt finder joke can fail immediately. <laughs> Alex Kidler. Just, Alex, uh, do you don't understand how much pleasure that gave me when that failed as soon as you started? <laughs> I don't. So I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. It, did the part that you liked. Was it the part that my joke failed or the part that my joke that was talking myself up and being like complimentary of myself that that failed? That's fair. The detail of <laughs> it was a self compliment. Yeah. And it immediately went into the garbage. Yeah. <sighs> That's most of my jokes. You know, I used to think I was funny until I did this show with you. And now I have all these self confidence problems. <laughs> I blame them on you. Uh, what self-confidence problem? I don't think I'm... You're funnier than me. It bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me. It should. Yeah. It should. Well, that's what happens when you're around greatness. Yeah. I, I hear about it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Alex. Yeah. We had some MLS games. Oh, did we ever? Jeff. We had some matches. Dude, uh, I, I know we have to go through them in order. But we do, there, but let me say this: some really good matches. I'm actually, I want to end on what I think is one of the most exciting endings of an MLS match ever, uh, and we'll, so we're going to end with uh, one of the Western Conference games. But let's start mm-hmm. with New York Red Bulls one, DC United nil. Red Bulls advance two nil on aggregate. At home in front of a great crowd at Red Bull Arena. Good job, Red Bulls Nation, for showing up. Red Bulls proved that they sort of are a class above DC United in this match, I think. They really are. And, of course, you have the people scoring who should be Bradley Wright Phillips with that one goal. Um, in fact, he should have had two. He should have had two. And, and there were some other that chances too. that... He that, do that. That's not a surprise yeah. Bradley Wright Phillips. But. There were some chances that Red Bulls had that they really let go by as well. This wasn't a clinical performance by the Red Bulls. But that just goes to show you, you know, they can sort of be on an off night and still put you know, points on the board against D.C. United. And the way Jesse Marsh has uh, this team playing, I I believe that this team knows the performance that they had against D.C. It's good enough against D.C., but it's not going to be good enough later. Uh, It's not going to work against Columbus. You know, it's not going to work moving forward. It's interesting that you say that because one of the things that really stuck out to me um, over the last – watching this match was (laughs) that – you know, th- several times because of, of how much Red Bulls like to get in the attack and how much they like mm-hmm. to get forward and how well basically at every position they can attack, they could have been punished 
by a better team on the counter several times. DC United yes. had several chances yes. to to punish them on the other end of the field, and they couldn't put any of them away. And I would say, if you play like that against a team like a Dallas or a Portland mm-hmm. Timbers, you're mm-hmm. going to get burned several several times. They are, but I believe this team knows that. Like, like they won this match, and of course they enjoyed winning the conference semifinals. You're back to the conference finals two years in a row now. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> For a team that many of us thought would be lucky to make the sixth seed in the playoffs. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals, so good for them. Uh, but just listening to just player comments after the match, coaches' comments after the match, I don't think they were necessarily ecstatic by the performance that they had. Uh, they could have had more goals in this game. They could have played a cleaner match than they played. And they know that they're going to have to do better. They're going up against, and we'll get to the other match in a moment, where they're going up against a very good Columbus crew team, mm-hmm. which it was a surprise to you and I that that's who they're going up against, but mm-hmm. that's who they're going up against. Yes. And that's a team that has Kai Kamara who will punish you if you're not paying attention. Yes, very much so. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because the Red Bulls, when they're on, look extremely dominant. And I think one reason that they that they have gotten so many results is that they create so many chances. But mm-hmm. this is an example of a game where they didn't put a lot of them away that they really, really should have. You know, mm-hmm. if you leave a few against a team like a Columbus Crew or against a Dallas or a Portland, you're going to have a hard time. So, I mean, I, I'm optimistic for the Red Bulls. I think I think that they, I think they're probably on paper the better of the two teams in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's going to be walking all over Columbus. I really no, don't. Not at all. What's going on with DC, Alex? You know, DC. It's hard for me to put my finger on DC. Mm-hmm. They they still are very good in the air. They're still very good off of set plays. You know, I just don't think you're seeing enough creation out of Saborio and Espindola. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. You, when your two best creative players are both playing forward, and not to take anything away from a, a Kitchen or a De Leon or a Chris Rolfe, but they're not that creative. Just listed half of their midfield. Well, right, but they're not the creative engine that makes that team go. It's, it's Spindle and Sabarillo falling back into the midfield that really makes that team function properly. So it, it's, I think they are a true number 10 away, a young number 10 away from being pretty good. Because I think they have the pieces surrounding them. You Obviously, you have you know, arguably the best goalkeeper in, in the league in Bill Hamid. You, mm. you, you know, he's up that there. That is an argument. He is an argument, but, <laughs> he's, he's, argument. but surely you'll concede that he's up there. You have, young, up. You have, you have younger guys like a Jairo Arrieta and so on. So it's just a matter of getting the right pieces, excuse me, uh, sort of around um, that sort of that core group, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, all, all criticism aside, they did in the season uh, rank fourth in the East. Yeah. So it's not like they had no. a horrible year. It's just I expected more of them, especially with how they started the season and just uh, and how they ended last year. Yeah, uh, I just I just thought they were going to have a stronger year than they ultimately had. Well, it's not a young team. No, they're not. Uh, you know, not. I, I think just a second ago I said Arietta's a young man. He's not. He's actually quite old. That's what I meant to say. That talk about veteran presence. But I think it's a matter of bringing the right youth talent into this team that mm-hmm. would really set them as, uh, sort of. On good standing for next season, but I don't know if that ownership group's willing to spend a lot of money. So that's going to be a well. They're putting a lot of money towards the new stadium. They are right now. 
Um, so it's not that they're they're not willing to spend it all. Yeah. But uh, one does have to wonder, like, how much are you willing to put into new player acquisition, mm-hmm. or or are you looking at what I'm just going to call right now a New York Red Bulls model of we're going to find those guys on the cheap who are these role players, but we'll have the correct role players put together, the right pieces, and, and you have the right pieces, and you have a, you have a dominant side. Uh, and hat tip to the the entire team, not just uh, not just. Not just you know Jesse Marsh, but the entire like front office team, everybody who did player acquisitions over New York Red Bulls, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say because that team only costs six dollars to put on the field. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're not spending any money. Uh, but good to them. But we also expected this result. We did. Uh, Red that Bulls was expected it. No one was you know no one was was going to be surprised when Red Bulls pulled this one out. You know, yeah, it, not at this point. No, certainly not, not at this point. Now I really on the flip was, side of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Columbus 3, Montreal Impact 1, Columbus Advance 4-3 on aggregate. Jeff, what happened? Well, first of all, I should never have second-guessed hashtag new crew. No, you shouldn't have. They had almost 60% of the possession here. They owned that game. Did you they watch really that game? They really did. I did. They I watched the whole game. Oh, they they really God. did. You know, the thing is, is that I got the sense that I got the sense that Montreal knew that they were going to have to play pretty defensively. And that Montreal, I think Montreal, you know, they generated a lot of shots on target, but it was mostly because of athletic plays. I think that they relied too heavily on the outlet of Didier Drogba, lumping the ball forward for hold-up play Mm -hmm. for Didier Drogba, because Mm -hmm. they didn't have a ton of possession. They they couldn't really pass their way out of the back. And they had, had, uh, Columbus lived... In their defensive third. I mean, Columbus oh, yeah. was always in Montreal, um, on the Montreal side of the pitch. So, you know, it's Kai Kamara once again proving his worth to this team. What a season this kid has had. It's uh, unbelievable. This is his best season oh, yeah, easily. he's played, like by far. I, I mean, very much think so. He's never looked this good. Sure. And he's been a good MLS player. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying this is news that he's a good player. This is the best season. But ever. he's, you know. I, he's not going to win the MVP, but I th- I think it's a shame that he's not more in the conversation. Yeah, I really there, there do. Should have been, there should have been more talk about it. Uh, I still think that's uh, that's Javinko's prize to win. I think it is. But uh, um, uh, while watching this match, Dilly Duca gets a goal that, upon replay, should, he should not have had. Well, so <laughs> like, was Ethan Finley's. Ethan Finley's was offside. You know, the, 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 they, they both were. They the, both were. It's so funny but, because but, amazing but, is actually there were two different players who took offside touches on that Ethan Finley goal. Uh, so it's just a matter of. This was not a great game for assistant referees, is what I'm trying to say. But but when that that game happened in the 40th minute and Dilly Duke got that goal, I thought actually that's how the match was going to end. And you'd have this controversial finish where Montreal goes through on this questionable call. And then there's the Ethan Finley goal, and then I, and then the thought is, well, you go into extra time, and then maybe another penalty shootout, which we've seen a couple of recently. Mm-hmm. Kai Kamara gets it done in extra time. And he got a legit goal. <laughs> he got one that was, you know, no question marks. That was that was legitimate. Mm-hmm. Hat tip to hashtag new crew. You got it done. You proved me and the other people who got on the Montreal bandwagon very late. Uh, you proved us all very wrong and showed us the weaknesses that Montreal has and the strength that Columbus has. You walk out there 4-3 aggregate. I mean, hat tip to you guys. You earned that win. I don't think it, it can be understated how much, you know, a healthy and active Ethan Finley means to this Columbus crew team. You know, you have some age on the field, 
Mm-hmm. If you're Columbus Crew, obviously you have some some pace that you can bring on, and you have pace already on the field on a Tony Chani and so forth. But and, and having the ability to bring a Jack McInerney off the bench is huge as well. Um, Former Montreal man, by the way. You wonder what a team like this, how they would play against a, a super athletic team like a Portland or a Dallas. You know that, that's that's got to be the question going forward. If you're Columbus, is how can you play against that kind of pace? It's a good question. It's a good question, but I, this team, it has Will Trapp on it. You have Tony Chani, you already mentioned. You have Ethan Finley. There, there's a lot to be happy about. And if you're, you're a crew fan, like, this has been a phenomenal season. Yeah. Phenomenal season. You're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. You're up against a very difficult New York Red Bulls team. But you made it, and you, you earned it kicking and screaming. You scratched for everything. You got there. Uh, you have... Uh, the co-top goal scorer, I know that he, what did he lose on? Assists is what mm-hmm. I think it was that he lost in Golden Boot on. But he scored the same number of goals, and he put two away here. Javinko's team's gone. Uh, you're in good shape. But I I was a bit surprised how Montreal came out kind of sluggish, and it looks like they were just trying to not lose rather than win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I believe, and I believe that was the wrong – well, clearly that was the wrong strategy because Columbus Crew had to win, and they had to win at home, which is where they tend to win. <laughs> that's, that's where they do that kind of work. Uh, and they got it done. So all, all credit to hashtag new crew. You're back in the Eastern Conference final. You earned every single minute of it, and good for you. Did you hear this rumor, slightly unrelated, but did you hear this rumor that Tony Chani may actually be getting looked at by the United States? Oh, no, I have not heard that rumor. So he got called in by Cameroon uh, not that long ago, maybe like a week ago. And there's this rumor like that he hasn't actually accepted this call. Like he's excited that he got the call and like that's all good. And he's more than likely going to go because I don't think the U.S. is going to call him in at all. But the, there was at least this period of time, this brief period of time where I guess he could have been a U.S. international. He is a citizen of the United States, which I didn't know. I That's interesting. I you know, he's not a super young man. He's 26. Um, but that being said, he's oh, probably going to play for Cameroon because uh, at yeah. this point. It's too late. You have a call, and the U.S. didn't. Right. <laughs> the U.S. didn't call you. But um, I wasn't aware until this came up. It was during the, the commentary of this game um, that it came up that he's actually a U.S. citizen now, and I didn't know that. I just assumed he was a green card holder, a permanent resident. Interesting. We'll have to pay attention to that story as it sort of unfolds. Yeah. And by the time you listen to this, Gingers, I'm sure it'll all be sorted yeah, out. Yeah, probably. At, at the moment, it was still somewhat of a question mark. It was fascinating. It was interesting. I thought I would bring it up. Uh, let's go out west. I'm, yeah. Let's, let's take I'm a I'm actually going to start with Vancouver nil, Portland Timbers 2. I seem to recall... <sighs> That you, Alex Kibler, thought Vancouver was going to win this. Uh, I did. I, so here's – this is how I would describe this match. You can talk about this match before Kakuta Mane got hurt, and you can talk about this match after Kakuta Mane got hurt. I think they took a step back mentally when that happened, and they certainly took a step back in terms of pace on the field when that happened. Kakuta Mane is one of the most exciting players to watch in this league. He's a frenetic, very active player. He's a great shuttler of the ball. 
And when he went out, I think early, like in the before the thirtieth minute, it was like the twenty. Yeah, it was twenty nine. Twenty ninth minute, yeah. yeah. That completely changed the timbre of this game. Portland, from that point forward, bossed this game entirely. And so it's you sort of you, you leave yourself wondering what might have been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because Fernando Adi actually scored right after that happened. He scored in like yeah, the thirty like first minute, minute. Or yeah, something like that. Uh, and a beautiful goal off of a throw in of all things, a throw and a little great little run of the box, and then Adi buries it upper ninety um, from about eight or ten yards out. Um, but you know, it, it's it's heartbreaking if you're Vancouver to have you know your most exciting player go off and then immediately get scored upon. I, I think they broke mentally when that happened. I think so. We, uh, and, and that, to me, though, shows a weakness of the side. I agree. If you, if you have – listen, injuries happen. Obviously, you don't want an injury to happen to one of your top players, but that is just as likely to happen to anybody else. Um, and if you lose one player, admittedly a midfielder, but you, you lose one player, we can't all of a sudden fall apart at home in a game we have to win. Right. And he's not a defender, right? <laughs> he's not a defender. He's not the reason two goals were scored against you. He's the reason perhaps you didn't score any goals. Mm-hmm. But it's not that you, you, you gave up two goals at home. That's not his fault. Uh, but I do agree with you that something mentally switched over. And since we were on this subject earlier, Kakuta Mane, who is uh, from Gambia, has a green card and will become a U.S. citizen in September 2016. And he has stated he would like to play for the United States. Just putting that out there, Gingers. It's an exciting time to be uh, a fan of the USMNT. And for those of you keeping track, he is only twenty. That's that's exciting stuff. He's a he's a good player. He's exciting to watch. Very quick, creative. Oh, and it, this you'll love. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Point Roberts, Washington, this will not become a surprise to you. But for those of you who are not. Point Roberts, Washington, is a very, very small city, technically in the state of Washington, that is physically attached to British Columbia and not to the rest of Washington. It's the virtue of where the uh, the parallel is drawn between the United States and Canada that this little sliver of land is actually the U.S. Why does this matter? He plays for Vancouver, but he lives in Point Roberts, so he can have his residency as a U.S. resident. Oh, while fascinating! To work to Vancouver, which is like a minute from there. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, good for him. By a minute, I mean it's 22 miles from Vancouver. But still, <laughs> but, your point but is he made. Can yeah. He can commute there, but he gets his U.S. residency. This is important. This is what makes him eligible to both have a green card and ultimately apply for citizenship and become a U.S. citizen by September 2016, mm-hmm. which is not that far from now. Mm-hmm. Just interesting things. Put that on your list of things to think about. And if you're ever bored, go pull up a map of where Point Roberts, Washington is, and it is very interesting. Geography lessons with Jeff. That's what everyone tunes in for. That's what they want. That's what, that's that's what the gingers want. That's what the people want. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to say this, though. This is a great performance by the Portland Timbers away from home, and they are the only team now, this year at least, that – made it from those infamous knock, uh, knockout games through to the finals. No one else survived that. We thought Montreal was going to. They did not. Everybody else who got the, uh, the away, uh, got the, uh, uh, the bye for, for that round, they're still alive. Except Vancouver. They're still stuck in British Columbia. Oh, dear. 
A fate worse than death. Late. Yeah, I, I heard it's nice there. I hear it's, I've never been, but, but I the match of the weekend by far. <sighs> Dallas. Who boy? Two one. Seattle Sounders. Three three on aggregate. Dallas advances four two on penalty kicks after extra time. Jeff, wow. Can you think of a, a more exciting? In, like if you're if you're drawing sort of a. 70th minute through extra time. I can hardly think of a more exciting MLS game that I can remember. What a well, match. Well, there was the, uh, the Portland had that one where oh, they went yes. to 11 rounds. <laughs> that just happened. Now, what's amazing about that, I would say, is probably the penalty shootout was more exciting. But if you're talking about the game as a whole, All right. All I right. think it's got to be this right. one. So I really we're, do. We're splitting hairs. Now, I here's the thing. Now. For most of the match... I Who's thought Dallas was clearly the better team on the pitch. It, and, the, and the match was kind of boring for a while. It was. Uh, like, Dallas was not getting rewarded from their play. Right. Uh, and, uh, it was kind of dull 25 shots. Yeah, but nothing was going in. No. Yeah. <laughs> nothing was going in. Um, and I was, uh, I was saying this to no one in particular, but Stephen Fry kept Seattle in this match. Well, and he had some help. I mean, I remember Tesho Akindeli had a header Same. directly at him. Uh, so I mean, it's it's not as if he he was he, he did make a couple of really good saves, but he, they also couldn't capitalize. Dallas, he, they couldn't he, put. Stephen Fry was probably having flashbacks from his Toronto FC days. Like he was yeah. under attack yeah. all match. But I would uh, I would actually say that Jesse Gonzalez was the better goalkeeper in this match. I think Jesse Gonzalez is MVP of this match for Dallas. I really do. He won this match for Dallas. As strong as Tesho Akindeli was when he came saved. on. Two penalty shots. Yeah. That, that's the difference. And huge saves at the end of extra time as well. I mean, here's the thing. You know, I we were all thinking that when Chad Marshall heads it in in the 90th minute to make it 1-1, Seattle up 3-2 on aggregate, that they had just snatched it. They, they, they had yeah. absolutely snatched the result out of Dallas's hands, I, even though I Dallas was the better team on the field. I 100% and then that, right that's... on the other end, Walker Zimmerman. The 91st minute, off of a nice little flick from Blas Perez, by the way, who oh, missed great. about 175 shots in extra time. I don't know if you counted. I counted. Something, it's like it between like 160 that. and 175. Definitely in that. In Somewhere that. in there. He, he yeah. missed about a zillion shots. What <laughs> was funny with this game was that in extra time, at some point you were, if you're Dallas, you're starting to worry because you're like, you clearly have the run of the play. You don't want it to go to penalties because you know anything can happen in penalties, especially when Stephen Fry is, is on the other end of the, Stephen, of the field. Yes. Sorry, Stephen Fry is on the other end of the field. You know, yeah, so my thing happen. is, at one point, if you're Dallas, anything. obviously you're elated that you got back into the match, but you're also concerned because you're like, you got to put this thing away before it gets to penalties. Yeah, because anything can happen. And Jesse Gonzalez, as well as he has been playing in the, the not most matches, because he has only appeared ten matches. Like he he hasn't played that many matches. He's a young man. He's yeah. twenty years old. Um, and you you have to wonder at that point. I mean, it's far too late to make any kind of strategic substitution. But you have to wonder, like, is is this kid going to keep it together? You know, in a in a penalty shootout, and he gets you two saves. You've got to be happy. Yeah, it's outrageous. I mean, he he saved the second and third penalties. I mean, you, you just completely take the wind out of the sails of of Seattle when you do that. Uh, absolutely. And, and since we've been talking about international eligibility, Jesse Gonzalez was born in the United States, but he plays for Mexico, folks. Boo. 
Boo. It's something that I would love to spend a whole episode talking about. I get where you're coming from if you're Jesse Gonzalez. I bet Mexico approached him, and we did not. But my issue is, why is the United States not capturing these young players? This man was born in North Carolina. Yeah. Needs to play for the U.S. And he plays – admittedly, he's playing for Mexican youth teams, which means there's still a shot. But – He's been playing for youth teams. He's on the Jeff, U17s, the U18s. I just broke one. my citizen's wristband. I mean, my, that's fitting. My NYCFC season ticket holder wristband just broke. Look. I mean, that's fitting. Oh, no! Gingers, I wish you could see this. It's so funny to me. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, did I tell you what I got? No. This is slightly off topic. And by slightly, I mean extremely. Clearly. So when you're a season ticket holder of NYCFC, um, there's, there's a program they have called The Citizens. And basically it's like you get points for showing up to the games early and for buying stuff. You get points for different things. Um, and I had been saving my points all season. And I didn't buy you know, a post-match meet and greet. Didn't buy an on-game field picture. I bought a tie. The tie. tie? I bought a tie. The teams, when they go to the games, wear a suit, and they all wear the same tie from Ben Sherman. And I bought one. And so now I have an NYCFC tie. (sighs) (laughs) But I broke my wristband. Does it have have Patrick Vieira's picture on it? No, strangely. It has a little bit of, like, the the Barbasol smell, which I think is Jason Christ. I haven't decided yet. Gross. So, (laughs) as I'm sure you've heard, Gingers, the new manager of the New York City Football Club of Bronx... New York City, New York. Yeah. Patrick Vieira, the yeah. French international. Yeah. You know, and, and we sort of talked about this earlier on in the week. We weren't going to spend a lot of time on this because there's a lot of, of media already out there about Patrick Vieira and the odds that he faces. I think this is, you know, once you're – this makes me think about the beginning of this show when, when we were talking about Mike Petke getting fired and Jesse Marsh. It's not about Marsh, and it's not about Vieira. I think of the names mentioned, Vieira is a great choice. I really do. I think Vieira is a better choice than certainly a Fabio Capello and so forth. So forth? Who else was rumored? <laughs> oh, there were actually quite a few people rumored. I mean, there, people thought Siggy Schmidt might come out here. There, there was a lot of it's, stuff that was getting thrown that, around. That, that I do recall. That's fair. I the, do what I like about this is that I think it's going to give NYCFC a little bit more pull in terms of who they can get on loan from the youth squad of Manchester City. And I think that in a penny-pinching league, <laughs> which we live in, okay. Okay. that okay. that could be a pretty big... You know, that could be a pretty big boon. It really could. I think, you know, it's funny because now that Angelino and and Shea Facey have come over here, and now that Patrick Vieira has become our head coach, my thought is, did he only let these players go because he knew that he was keeping the best for himself? In other words, are they going to be back or is someone better than them going to take their place? It's, hmm. it's an interesting thought. You know, he's, he's very much obviously a city football group guy. Um, you know, he's, he's, he played for them briefly. He coached their, their what they call their elite development squad, uh, their youth teams. Um, and if he can instill sort of the fighting spirit that he played with into this team, I think he could be pretty good. They still need to find some defensive cover for, for Pirlo, but, you know, maybe that's in the form of mixed discrete. It's hard to say. I think they're a good center back and a true defensive midfielder away from being a pretty good team. We'll have to see how it plays out. Two wins. <laughs> That's it. Two win season. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm in a wait and see position on this one. Uh, it, it is a better pick than Fabio Capello, but I, I always have concerns about the uh, uh, the so-called European coaches. Although someone online did a statistical analysis, it's not as bad as it it feels like. Yeah, as far as European coaches and how they do in MLS, but. Um, I'm going to wait and see on this one. I'm going to wait and see. I do think it is indicating that City Football Group isn't just trying to buy their way out of it. Like They're not only trying to throw money at the problem, but bringing in someone who's never played in the country, never lived in the country, not familiar with the league. Like it's, it's a lot of change very quickly. I still am curious where Jason Christ is going to end up. Uh, there are rumors that Chicago's been asking. There's there's been rumors. There were rumors, very brief ones, that Toronto was was interested. Although they put the uh, they put the cold water on that one pretty quick. That would have been a, a really good fit, mm-hmm. I think. It was something I hadn't even considered, but like he could probably get a lot done up there. Or do you take the year off if you're Jason Christ? You know, it's tough. Just see what the deal is. Because you're a young man. I mean, you take a year off. Well, I would tell you, if if the right job doesn't present itself, I think you definitely take a year off. I think if you get a good – if you get the right package from a team, not just, you know, what team it is and and what they're offering you salary-wise, but in terms of, like, what control you have and that kind of stuff, you take it. But if you don't, I see no problem taking a year off. Because who knows next year who's going to be on the hot seat? Who knows next year what jobs are going to be available? You might have the Seattle Sounders job available next year. I mean, it could even be available this offseason. It could be. But, 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 I mean, you do make a good point. Like, you just, you wait this thing out. And how long is Bruce Arena going to coach, too? That's worth mentioning, too. He's proven everything he can do. He's not a young man. No, not at all. So it's, it's you know, there's going to be some jobs out there for a Jason Christ um, not too long from now. And before we leave the league, I do want to give a, a congratulations mm-hmm. to Kyle Laren, winning mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year, deservedly so, a mile away from, uh, you know, better than anyone else. Absolutely. And Laurent Simon, uh, the Montreal Impact Defender for winning Defender of the Year over Kendall Waston, Matt Hedges, and Matt Miazga. You know, I, the thing with with, with yeah, we've heard a lot of people talk about Matt Miazga. The thing with Matt Miazga is the reason that you remember him is not because of his defending; it's because of his attacking. It is defender mm-hmm. of the year. Laurent yeah. Sima was an absolute destroyer. I thought, frankly, that Borchers should have gotten more of a look than he did. That's just mm-hmm. me, but mm-hmm. well deserved from Sima. Tremendous year. Uh, you know, he got uh, almost a quarter of all the player votes, which considering there's 20 teams in the league, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also before, and I know we're about to leave the league, but just on the Bruce Arena note, he's 64. Yeah. There was a rumor at the end of last season that he was thinking about retiring. It doesn't sound like it this offseason, but that means in, you know, it's coming around. He has five MLS Cups between two different teams. That's crazy. That's he insane. three supporter shields. Uh, he's got a U.S. Open Cup victory. When it used to be the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which was a different format, but he has one of those. He's three MLS Coach of the Year. He has two CONCACAF Gold Cups from when he was U.S. coach. <sighs> the only thing of note that he doesn't have is a World Cup title. <laughs> like, yeah. That's really it. So if you're Bruce Arena, you're only, playing, you're only coaching because you want to be a coach. Like that's, there, There's no item you need. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him retire within another year or two because he can do whatever he wants. Go enjoy a beach somewhere, <laughs> Bruce. Stay in L.A. I mean, yeah, whatever. for real. Stays their GM. Like you could do what it, 
but his situation at LA has got to be so cushy that he's getting like whatever he wants to do, he can do there. You know, whatever players they want. If he wants to fire somebody, they'll get fired. Like he, he can he can get whatever it is he wants to get done. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him retire in a couple seasons here. Uh, but anyway, we have other news about another former U.S. men's national team coach, your best friend and mine, Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley is now the head coach of the oldest football club in France, La Havre AC. It's an athletic club, mm-hmm. not an FC, who is currently in fourth place in League Two. Alex, we're going to dive in pretty deep on this one, yep. but got to say, I, I love this move. Me too. I, I think we, we covered a lot of stuff last week. I, I so, think for his career, this is a tremendous move. Um, now, there's a lot that really goes into this. You have an American owner. You have an owner that wants to make waves. You have an owner that thinks that they can get to League One this year, which is certainly within striking distance. It's possible. Like This is not, uh, this is not beyond possibility. You have a stadium that is a carbon copy of Red Bull Arena. It is astonishing. Gingers, look this up. <laughs> I think it's called Stad Ocean. Hang on. Let me look that up it really is. quick. That's yeah. what it's called. Okay. It... Oh, yeah. It looks just like it. It it is only two years uh, younger than Red Bull Arena. It's not the same architect. See, that's what I was hoping. That blows my mind. That's not the same architect. I think that they share this. This blueprint was on Pinterest, and it got shared around a little bit. I mean, and here we are. It looks just like it. It is astonishing how similar it looks. Oh my god! All, all, you could just go in here and Photoshop the little Red Bull symbol on the stands, and I would think it's the same stadium. You could it's, fool me pretty. It's easily pretty here. amazing how similar they are. Like looking at them, I'm I'm comparing side by side pictures right now. They even both had that weird little like hump on one side, but yeah. only one side. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. But anyway, um, for for Bob Bradley, you know. Hopefully he's going to have some visitors from the states in the form of a couple of underqualified <laughs> journalists. We're going to force our way over there, folks. It's going to be great. We're going to go visit Bob way. hopefully next spring. Oh man, it's going to be great. So Ginger's, we we were mumbling about it last time. It becomes more and more serious every single time. Uh, it's kind of like when we were joking about going down to Orlando, and then we ended up in Orlando. It feels very similar mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> um, we want to go over there. We want to go over to France, uh, dressed to the nines. Oh yeah, tuxedos. It, well, no, no, no. In, in La Havre. Oh, I, I thought you meant tuxedos. No, 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 no tuxes. <laughs> We're gonna look like we are lifetime supporters of this particular team. Mm-hmm. Show up, uh, interview Bob Bradley, who will almost certainly be frustrated to see us. And I think we're going to like sell T-shirts or something to make this happen. We need so much money to make We need all the money. <laughs> we need like two grand. It's something obscene. Yeah. It's going to be bad. Yep. It's going to be really, really bad. It's going to cost us like each $2,000. Don't, don't remind me. Oh, wow. All for Bob. All for Bob. All for Bob. Bob's worth it. But he could get this team up to League One come may yes and, and due to an interesting sort of decision for the from the 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 french football confederation uh you know there's only two teams that go up this year 
Yeah. Um, so you 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 got to sort of at least get yourself in posi- striking position for the spring. You know, obviously there's going to be some some turnover. There, obviously there's going to be some some changes in personnel when a new coach comes in. But you you sort of basically have to keep, jockey for position right now so that you can make a run later on this this uh, this uh, season. No, very very true. There are only three points out of this right now. Yeah. You know, so he. It doesn't seem impossible. It just – it really doesn't seem impossible. I think this is something that he can get done. I really hope that he can do it in one season. His contract's for two years, so he's got two shots at this. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited to see it. And, and that's why he's there. He, he's not there to play in League Two. <laughs> that's, that's not his goal. His goal is to actually take this up another level. Yeah. And once he gets into League One, I mean – do you have to leave at that point? I mean, you can stay in France. Like, yeah. That's not bad. I have a feeling that he would have a plethora of job offers, though, if he did at least sort of keep them in League One. Um, you know, he, he, oh, he'll he be able to prove that he can do a lot with not a lot of money, like he's already proven at Staubach, So, he and, and I would argue he's proven it three times because he used to be – or four times, really, because the, the U.S. has always been a side where, like, if you get results, like any positive results from a U.S. team, especially when he was coach of the team, it's like, that's fantastic. Look at your player pool. Yeah. <laughs> Look who you have. And he was able to get results from them. Uh, he's able to get results from Egypt, uh, able to get results from Staubach. If he can get, I, I mean, his, his his resume keeps looking better all the time. Chivas USA. <laughs> hey, he he took them to the playoffs. Yep, that's he saying something. That's he the most impressive an, thing yet. Yeah, he won an MLS Cup with an expansion team. I know, it's first crazy. season. It's crazy. Why yeah. did we fire him? You remember why we fired? I him. do. It was boring. Anyway, uh, of course, look at what we have now. But let's talk a little bit about this upcoming weekend. Okay, Jeff. <laughs> Speaking of U.S. soccer. World Cup qualifying, Gingers, begins in earnest tonight in present town, USA, Best where we town. play host at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri, to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, so in, in case this is your first World Cup qualifying cycle, it sort of works mm-hmm. like this. We're already in the fourth round of qualifying. So there have already been teams eliminated, very small teams uh, You know that you – like Dominican Republics and so forth, that don't really have a ton of footballing pedigree. Now I feel bad for the Dominican Republic. Well, they don't have, you know, they're not exactly a soccer powerhouse as in terms of the Guatemalas they're and not, the, the not, Ticos and so on and so forth. So we've already eliminated quite a few teams. We're down to 12, three groups. Um, basically what you're doing right now is over the next 10 months, you're going to play home and away against every team in your group. The mm-hmm. groups are as follows. Group A, Canada, El Salvador, Honduras, and Mexico. Group B, Costa Rica, Haiti, Jamaica, and Panama. And Group C, far and away the weakest, thankfully, Guatemala, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Trinidad and Tobago, and the United States of America. We play in far and away the weakest group, and all we have to do is finish top two. Now, Jeff. Mm-hmm. 
the lineup that got called in for this game is a bit of an interesting one. We were sort of postulating before the game that this might be a game where you don't see the people whose jobs you know are intact. Although, you know, the, obviously the outlier there is Michael Bradley. He's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't well, have a Fabian. a couple of guys here that are outliers, but we'll, we'll get into it. We'll you don't have it. a Fabian Johnson. You don't have a, a Clint Dempsey. You know, there's a lot of hubbub made about that. I don't think it's because their jobs are in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. I think what you want to see in camp, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, is are the guys sort of that, that are pushing these players good enough to maybe take that role from them? There might be some truth to that, uh, especially when you look at Darlington Nagby's in this squad. Yes, and Matt Miazga. And Matt Miazga's in this squad. Uh, Matt Miazga is one of these players that does have other nations taking a look at him. He was born in the United States. He'd want to play for the United States, but he's also played for Poland. He played for the U18s once, but he did, and he is eligible to play for Poland. Uh, So don't be surprised, Gingers, if Matt Miazga sees the field just to lock this down. Just to to lock him, yep. If you cap get him cap-tied, uh, then, it, then it's all set, and you've got this player. You can decide what to do with him later. But he's 20 years old. He's a very impressive defender. Huge, by the way. He's like 6'4". Yeah, he's massive. Yeah. Big kid. Uh, allegedly caught the eye of Chelsea, although how they're playing right now, I don't know if you really want to go over there. But anyway, yeah. uh, I think that it points to your theory. Darlington Nagby also points towards that. Nagby has become an American, and as soon as that happened, he got called in. He could have played for Liberia at any time. Keep in mind, his father, Joe Nagby, was the captain of the Liberian national team. So it's not like they don't know who he is. Uh, And I'm assuming he never wanted to play for Liberia. It must have come up at some point. Yeah. It must have called. I am curious to see how they do. I am curious where they fit because we've had this discussion about Nagby specifically. It's like, who, who do you leave off the team when you're going to play Darlington Nagby? But he got hot at the right time. Uh, and I am very curious to watch this game and see see how he looks. So you've got a lot of young guys here, a lot of guys who have very few caps on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miguel Abarra is back. He's only played – like he gets called in a lot, but he's only played in three matches. Uh, he's here. You Bobby Wood, like a- Jordan Morris. Oh, yeah. Bobby Wood. Alan Gordon. (laughs) Alan Gordon. We got to get Alan Gordon on the show. We should interview Alan Gordon. I think he'd be entertaining. Oh, he's got to be entertaining. I think he'd be really, really entertaining. He's 34 years old. He has two U.S. national team caps. All right. What I love about Alan Gordon, at least on the club level, is he is the super sub to end all super subs. You bring him in in like the 70th minute and sometimes somehow he'll find a goal. So I I get why he would be here. Unlike a lot of these guys who are that age who would demand a start, frankly, he's probably perfectly fine coming off the bench. And it's funny that you bring that up because I I wonder if if you're Jurgen Klinsmann and, and you look out at a guy like a Darlington Nagby. Are you thinking, here's a guy we can bring in to get a change of pace off the bench? Like, is that your your grand plan? I'm curious to see where he's putting him. Does he start Nagby? Does he bring him, like you said, bring him off the bench in the second half? I don't know. I don't know. The fact that he's never even been in a camp before. Like, I I don't know what Jurgen Klinsmann thinks about Darlington Nagby as a player. Well, I think I know that he thinks that he can start him or get him some minutes and still win the game against St. Vincent and the Grenadines and therefore 
cap time. I think that that's going to happen. <laughs> you got to win this game, though. You do. You have to win this game. Yeah. I know that it's the beginning of our uh, part of the World Cup qualifiers, but if you can't beat St. Vincent, let's just fire you now. Yeah. Let's, just, let's get this over with. To briefly go back to sort of talking about the format here, essentially the idea here is that you want to be the top two teams. The, 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 those top two of those three groups form what's called the hexagonal, as it's, as it's known in CONCACAF, uh, or just the hex for short. The idea is that there are six teams, all that play home and away against the other five. Um, the top three teams are automatically guaranteed into the World Cup. And then, like last World Cup cycle, the fourth cup team plays against the fifth place team in the Asia-Oceana region, um, which is what uh, happened when Mexico beat New, Eng- uh, New Zealand. I almost said New England. New Zealand uh, beat last the cycle to go to the World Cup, which is why we had four CONCACAF teams in the World Cup. So there's still a long way to go. You know, This, this oh, yeah. round is through 10 months, and then there's a whole year for the hex. So we got a lot of soccer to be played. But it's exciting to see these younger guys, the, the Nagbys and the Miazgas of the world, getting called in and, and get, hopefully getting some minutes. And I'm glad that this match is happening in St. Louis. It's a big soccer town that doesn't really have its own team. Uh, they filled Bush Stadium when the U.S. women came and played there, so I expect to see a very large crowd there. Yeah, expecting 45,000. I mean, it's going to be exciting stuff. It's going to be great stuff. Uh, you'll also see how to properly put a soccer field in a baseball stadium. If you haven't seen that before, <sighs> vehement sigh coming from so, Alex. So tune in for that. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but there could be some folks you could look at it for some pointers about how how do you do that? How do you fit a soccer field <laughs> into a baseball? Dear Jeff, shut have up, ever, Alex Kibler. Have you ever uh, <laughs> any questions about that? No. These are also, the last two matches uh, of the year for the U.S. men's national team. This one on the 13th and the, uh, the match on the 17th versus Trinidad down in Port of Spain, which is in Trinidad despite its name. Yeah, that's weird. It's the Port of Spain. You go there Does and you're Spain still own it? Spain. Like, no, I don't. Why would they? No. Because it's of them. <laughs> at, at some period of time, Trinidad was probably a Spanish uh, colony. But I don't believe they currently own Trinidad or the city of Port of Spain. Before we get to the picks for this uh, this cycle there, Jeff, let me just quickly say that there's a, a rumor out in Boston that the Kraft family might be interested in some downtown space for a potential New England Revolution stadium. I mean, it seems kind of uh, questionable. Yeah. These rumors... Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've read the rumors that are in question here. It's a, it's a lot of reading of the tea leaves. Some people are speculating that really they're just buying land for like a parking lot. For like a, uh, a Denny's? For a the- no, 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 for a theoretical stadium. But also you have to keep in mind like Bob Kraft is also a businessman. Who knows what he's buying this for? Uh, the, the team itself hasn't said anything. And I will give the team this credit. They've at least acknowledged that uh, they, they've burned a lot of goodwill about talking about potential stadium sites. So they're reluctant to do so until something's like basically a done deal. They don't want to get ahead of themselves, as it were. So that must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I do hope. That this is going the right way for them because this, this team, this team deserves its own place. I mean, come on, come on. If any team 
deserves having a, a stadium. It's them. And then I guess maybe your team. I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. You know, I, I think it's it's we've talked about this before. It's one of the most underutilized sports markets in terms of what you're getting out of your soccer product there in Boston. They could they could sell out the, an appropriately located stadium that was, you know, 40,000 oh, yeah. people every week. It's just a matter 40, of 40,000. Yeah, I do I genuinely think that. I think there's enough people in Boston Metro if you put it accessible to public transportation you could sell out a thirty to forty thousand seat stadium every week. Thirty thousand seats. I'm going to look this up. I don't. I don't think uh... if Seattle can do it, Boston can do it. I genuinely that's, think that. That's a lot. I think both of those cities are cities that are fanatical about their sports teams. And gingers, if you want to know why I am pulling back on that, Fenway Park seats thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. This guy's talking about forty thousand for a soccer. I stand by it, Jeff. I stand by my ridiculous comments. No, they, they sell out Fenway Park. I will give you that. <laughs> I will give you that That's one. for 81 games a year. 81 games. And if we're going to give something for uh, this guy, this guy being Alex, to defend Alumni Stadium, which is on the campus of Boston College. I've been there. 44,000 people. Yep. They have a good crowd there, too, and it's nowhere near downtown. No, it's actually in Chestnut Hill in spite of the name of the school. But they play football. <laughs> they do. They play a popular sport. <laughs> they got a little something else going for them. Yeah. Um, 40,000 is pretty aggressive. That's, Let's get some picks for this weekend, though. Nickerson Field for Boston University. Oh, my God. Stop talking. 10,000. Jeff. But anyway. <laughs> this weekend, Jeff. Friday night. Tonight, for those of you in present town. Why? When did this start? When you started referring to about thirty minutes ago, the U.S. men's national team play host St. Louis, Missouri, St. Vincent, the Grenadines. Jeff, what do you got? U.S. winning this one. Oh yeah, U.S. winning this one three nil. I would say I'm going to say three one. You're letting St. Vincent get a goal against... You never know what's going to happen. I think it's, you know, when you're debuting all these young guys, we'll have to see how it, ha- how it plays out. You know, I, I think there's enough goal-scoring talent on this roster that would allow you to score three goals against a team like that. You know, it's, it, they look disjointed at times. I'm really interested to see what the midfield's going to look like. You have mm-hmm. Bradley Beckerman, Discarude, Jones, mm-hmm. Nagby, and Yedlin, you know, allegedly in the midfield, although I, that's another conversation where I wish they'd play him at fullback. But um, I think we're going to walk out of here with an easy win. But the more questionable game, Jeff. Hold on. Before we leave this one, yeah, I just want to point out, that uh, most of St. Vincent's players play in St. Vincent for a team called System 3. <laughs> and two, two of their players yep. play for the Seattle Sounders FC2, the USL team. Good for them. I'm happy for them. That is the highest team that they play for. We should be okay is what you're trying to tell me. There's a team called Rendezvous, which is a bar a team in Barbados. Wait, there's a team called Rendezvous? Rendezvous. FC. We need to get gear from them. That's the best that might be the best team name I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a rendezvous. Rendezvous FC. Incredible. The pride of Barbados. The, 
Are they the pride of Barbados? Romano Snag yeah. is the player who comes in. He's, he's got 15 caps, two goals. Everything you're saying is incredible to me. I'm a On big this fan. On this team, the most caps are 45. Wow. They've no one over 50 caps on this on this team. They're they're bringing out to play. Uh, <laughs> if they beat us, everyone should get fired. Everyone, everyone get fired. I might be better than some of these guys. I'm now rooting for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. But Tuesday, November the 17th. How dare you? At Trinidad and Tobago at a time mm-hmm. that, as of this recording, has still not been released for some reason. That's weird. Yeah, I agree. On BN Sports, though, so you can watch this game at a mysterious time, we're going to play at Trinidad and Tobago. So unlike the team I just mocked, there are four MLS players on this Trinidad team. Trinidad is a formidable side. Uh, they've got a Cardiff City player on this team. Mm-hmm. Like they've got, they've got some, not a lot, but some, some real teams here. Uh, they can play. They, we should still win this, though. I don't see why we shouldn't win this. I'm going to tell you right now, I think with Clint Dempsey and Fabian Johnson in this lineup, I think it's an easy win. But I'm going to say 1-1 one, one draw. I'm doing 2-1. I, I think that's also going to be a fair result. I, I'm worried that we're going to give up goals in this one, though. Like Obviously, I, I said 1-1, one, one, but I, I'm worried that it might be 2-1 Trinidad. We'll have to see how, how that plays out. And it's and it's away. Like you're going it down. Is. It's it's a legitimate away match. That that we we're so spoiled in this country because we have such great facilities. We play in really great arenas. We have great practice facilities. When we it comes like World to World Cup qualifying time, you're gonna go play in some like high school stadiums. And you have to get used to that idea. We, sometimes less than that. You go down to Belize or something. Like these things are this is really a cricket field, but you're not playing in real stadiums, and when and I can't emphasize this enough. The point you're making about the facilities here in North America, some of these are world class facilities. I know it doesn't always feel that way because of just the level of competition MLS is. But you go up to like Toronto FC's training facility. Uh, I believe it's the Kia training facility or something like that. It has some name like that. People keep saying like, "Oh, this is." This is top notch. Just like world class as far as their 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 training setup is. I keep hearing that uh, uh, down there at Sporting KC, like all of their stuff is is top notch. Like uh, there are teams in MLS that have the best of the best yeah. as far as those facilities are concerned. And then you go down to Trinidad, or you go down to Guatemala, or you go down to Costa Rica, or any of these places, frankly, in Central America and and in uh, in the Caribbean. It's a, it's a different world. Like, it's a totally different world. A lot of these facilities are meeting the minimum for being an acceptable facility. Yeah. And I wonder when their last FIFA inspection was. <laughs> That's the kind of conversation that you're, you're having when you go down there. But it leads to exciting soccer, and if you can catch it on TV, please do. If you don't get BN Sports, this is a great time to pick it up. <laughs> do they pay you? What nope. You can start paying me, though. Send me an email, be in sports. We can rep be in sports, right? Ways that you can get in touch with us, gingers. At ah. Straight Red Pod on Twitter, that's the show. At Jeff is Famous on Twitter, that's Jeff. At oh. Alex S. Kibler on Twitter, that's me. The S stands for soccer. Straight mm-hmm. Red at iCloud.com, Straight Red Podcast on Instagram, and Straight Red on Facebook. Jeff, it is now time. Actually, Gingers, please reach out to us. We, we want some emails. Uh, it's now we time. Emails. Like, you don't even address them when we get no, them. No, no, we get some. 
you you'll you'll like send me a screenshot of them and then they never show up on the podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. What's that screenshot you sent me? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why you would make up uh, strange things. You're looking, you're looking oh, at hey, it. look, there's an email uh, uh-huh. from Ginger uh-huh. Dory, uh-huh. first-time emailer. And the subject is, what Jeff should do with the $700,000 from Alex. I'm a fan of this. The, this. the body of the email says, buy Chicago Fire for Alex. Jeff, your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> One, if the Chicago Fire yeah. are going for $700,000, <laughs> then absolutely I would buy the team for you. Thank that you. Bargain basement. Basement price. price. Yeah. That would be unbelievable. You can't get a professional sports team for $700,000. That's what you think. It's now time for Quiet Time with Jeff. Jeff, what do you got for the Gingers tonight? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just do that for you now. No, it Sometimes makes you feel good. Yep. You'll be talking to Alex, which I do for some reason on a weekly basis, and he'll have a stupid idea. An unbelievably dumb, terrible idea. Yeah. Like, hey, go to France and talk to someone you don't know. Yeah. And then you think about it, it becomes a good idea. Yes. So you need to keep these people in your life who you are certain are dumb. And have bad ideas. Because <laughs> every once in a while they might have a good idea? Because much like a broken clock that's right <laughs> twice a day, <laughs> that dumb person you know mm-hmm. will occasionally have a good idea. I'll Jeff see you in Ross France, out. Jeff. Go for the <laughs> soccer, gingers. I'm ready when you are. Okay. I can't believe you kept that going for so long. Your breath control is immense. It's my only skill. <laughs>